We will remember the power of memory. This is what I want to talk about today. So be honest, church, when I say Memorial Day weekend, per, well, by the way, can I just say that happy Memorial Day weekend? I hope your kickoff to the summer is going well. When I say that, what do you think of? What image does that conjure to mind? Maybe even outside the context of having just watched that video. When I say Memorial Day weekend, do you think the kickoff to summer? Do you think hot dogs and hamburgers cook out in the backyard? Do you think about the pool is getting ready to open up in your HOA? You think of family get-togethers? What do you think of the race, maybe? Indy 500 weekend? We don't make a big deal out of Memorial Day often because it's not one of the high holy days of the church calendar. But I do believe that it is good for us to consider what Memorial Day actually represents. Because its very name actually calls us to remember. Hold on to that thought. This is what I want to talk about today. But before we dive into that subject matter at hand, could I just give you a challenge you know, we're kicking off summer right now, and uh, we're going to have a fun summer series that actually kicks off next summer. It's going to be called, or next week actually, it's going to be called Jerks of the Bible. <laughs> we're going to look through Scripture, and there are some good ones in there. There's all kinds of jerky behavior that we can learn from, or maybe it's better to say rather what we would not learn from or learn not to do. So we're going to kick that series off next week with a, a sermon on Jezebel. I'm excited about that. Mark your calendars. There's going to be several of these coming up over the next several uh, couple of months, uh, including Worship on the Lawn. We're going to do a worship on the lawn in three weeks, Father's Day weekend. It's going to be the weekend right after VBS. You heard Jake just talking about that. Uh, by the way, that would be another thing to invite somebody to come back to. That we're going to be outside on the lawn worshiping together out there. It's Father's Day weekend. We're going to enjoy some food together and worshiping together. I'm going to talk about Samson that day. And uh, we're going to kind of celebrate a good week of VBS. There's going to be fun things to do for the kids. If you've got somebody you're thinking of as I talk about all those things, invite them. Invest in them. Invite them to come and be a part of that Father's Day weekend. At the end of the month of June, I'm excited about this. I've got a friend uh, who is an author and he wrote a book called Judas and the criminal mind. He's a psychologist. He's going to come and speak about Judas, that particular jerk in the Bible. I'm excited about this series. Be intentional. If you're in town, join us. Join us in person for church. If you're out of town, maybe on summer vacation some of those weeks, join us online. That's a great resource, a great tool to stay connected with your church. Okay, the title of today's message, as I mentioned, is simply that word, remember. Remember. That word remember is used 352 times in your Bible. Then when you count up all the different variants of that word or different ways that you can use the word remember, the number jumps to more than 550. This is an important word. And the root of that word, well, remember, it calls to mind this idea of keep this in mind. Be mindful. Maybe be concerned about this thing. It's actually related a little bit to the word tradition. Tradition. 
That word is often used as a four-letter word in our culture. We, many of us, buck tradition a little bit. I'm among the guilty in that. I tend to be of the opinion that just because we've always done it that way doesn't mean that that's the way we always have to do it. Maybe some of you can relate to that. But traditions are happening even today, right? Good traditions. We have friends that aren't here with us in this room today because they have a tradition of going to the Indianapolis 500 every year, and it's something that their family has done. They've done this with their dads, their grandpas, their aunts, their uncles, maybe with friends. They're 22 miles south of us even today. There's a lot of traditions surrounding the Indianapolis 500. Traditions will happen tomorrow. Some of you, I'm guessing, will head to the cemetery with a bouquet of flowers. You'll decorate a grave. The ability to remember is a wonderful gift that God has given us. In a flash, we can be a child again. We can be skipping rocks across the pond. We can be walking across a meadow. Through our, the power of memory, we can fall in love. We can get married. We can enjoy our children all over again. This is all possible through the blessing of memory. Some of our memories are happy. Some of our memories are sad. Some of our memories are very practical. For example, if you don't remember that red means stop, that can be a problem even as you're driving home. Or maybe better for Hamilton County if you don't remember that you need to yield to whoever's coming to the left side of you through the roundabout, that can very much be a problem. Maybe you don't remember the day that happens to be your wife's birthday or your anniversary. You're going to be in big trouble. So memories can be practical. The problem is that sometimes memory fails us. Sometimes, because we're human, we forget. I'm thinking about a guy named John. I heard this story a while back. I happened to remember it. He ran into a buddy named Bill, and he said, hey, do you remember that I used to have a really bad memory? And Bill said, well, yeah, I do that. And John said, well, it's not bad anymore. I went to a seminar that taught us how to remember things. It was great. And now I have this wonderful memory. Bill said, well, that's great. What was the name of the seminar? Maybe I'd want to go to that as well. And John said, well, here, wait a minute. I'll ask my wife. She went with me. I'll ask her. And he turned and he saw his wife. And then he turned back to Bill and he said, what's the name of that flower that uh, has long, uh, it's got a long stem, it's got thorns, it's got a red bloom? Do you mean a rose? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Rose, what was the name of that <laughs> seminar? There are things maybe we shouldn't forget. Memorial Day commemorates some of them. That day began as a special day toward the end of the American Civil War. Long tradition surrounding Memorial Day. Within a few years, the practice of putting flowers on military graves had spread through both the North and the South, and it was being called by everybody Decoration Day. It's a day we remember our loved ones who've gone on before us. In World War I or following that, it became a national holiday dedicated to remembering those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom that we enjoy. The power of memory. When I was a pastor serving high school students, I used to take them to a retreat every year, a conference at a small Christian college in northeastern Kentucky. 
There's hills and hollers there where there's a strong memory of the Civil War. And I'm hanging out on campus and noticed a cemetery up above on the hillside above the campus. And I asked one of the locals about that. And he said, you know what? Still to this day, there are folks who gather there that have a living memory of grandparents who have a living memory of Civil War veterans that would gather there periodically from both the north and the south. And they'd sit around and they'd swap stories. They would remember. Perhaps they gathered there to be close to their fallen companions and comrades. People tend to be forgetful. And we seem to need help to jog our memory. In the Bible, we find that God has given us many reminders to remember. It's almost as if you could view your Bible as a scrapbook. Does anybody else have a series of these in your house? My wife, Dawn, she went through a season like a lot of ladies about 10, 15 years ago. There was a big scrapbooking season in our culture. And, uh, you know, she went through and made this incredible. If, I, if the house were to burn, were to catch fire, these are, these are some of the things I would grab on the way out. I need to be careful here not to show you too many of these because uh, there are some naked pictures in here of our kids. <laughs> Here's a ski trip. One of the first times we took our kiddos skiing. This particular one is labeled August 2004 to July 2005. This is a pivotal season in the life of our family. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. This is the, the season that Don and I brought some foster kids in. And then we adopted our own kids. And there's pictures of all of those memories inside of this scrapbook. Your Bible serves as a scrapbook. Memories to anchor to. And I want to simply take a journey with the time that we have remaining through Scripture, remembering the power of remembering. There are some snapshots in Scripture. For example, let me show you one right here. After God destroyed the earth with a flood, God told Noah, he said, listen, I'm going to establish my covenant with you. That word covenant is a big word. This is a big snapshot. This belongs in the photo album. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And as a sign of my covenant, check this out, I've set a rainbow in the clouds. It will be the sign of the covenant between me and between the earth. What do you think of when you see a rainbow? I know what I think of. Every time I see a rainbow, it serves as a reminder of God's promise. It's a snapshot, if you will, in the sky. Does a rainbow make you remember? Does it make you remember God's faithfulness? I had uh, a memory. I was looking through some digital scrapbooks that I have. We took a trip. This is the season of summer vacation. Some of you are gearing up for a summer trip with your family. We took a trip about five years ago, and we were driving through North Dakota. If you've never been to Theodore Roosevelt National Park, put it on your list. Absolutely gorgeous scenery. It had been raining. We got out of the van, and we took this hike. I've got a picture here that you can look at. We scrambled. Actually, rather, Dawn and I stayed back here. You can tell from where we're standing, the picture, the perspective from the picture. The kiddos ran up, the, scrambled up this rock face here. And I've got three kids you see at the very tippy top there. You've got a fourth child that's right here because he's just saved this, the fifth child's life. 
as I'm watching, I've got my phone out, I literally, I almost captured a picture of him falling off of that space. Number four child right here reached out just in the nick of time and grabbed him by the back of the neck and hauled him to safety. And I'm shouting, you sit down right there, don't move, stay there. I'll come up. And I did that. And I'll help you back down off of that space. It terrified me. My dad's heart was doing this. We get back in the minivan, we're dri- Dawn's driving. I'm kind of shook. I'm a little bit rattled. It starts to rain again. Then it stops raining. You always wonder, what's at the end of the rainbow? Some people say leprechauns are at the end of the rainbow. This is what's at the end of the rainbow. A buffalo. <laughs> How cool is that? Dawn, stop the van. I jump out, I run. It's raining, and I jump out, and I run out there, and I grab a picture of a buffalo at the end of the rainbow. And it's a reminder of God's faithfulness, a reminder of God's promises. Oh, I was a grateful man in that moment. That picture could have been so much worse. We could have been racing to the nearest hospital, which is like 200 miles away. Had a similar moment. Uh, A couple years ago, maybe three years ago now, mid-pandemic, remember that crazy season we all just lived through? We were doing a worship on the lawn. I just talked about a worship on the lawn that's coming up in a few weeks. We were doing it during that season in the life of our church, really kind of out of a necessity because we weren't allowed to meet here in this space, and so we worshiped out there. And one of those early worship on the lawns moment, the rain had happened. We were worried, are we going to be able to, we're going to have to call this off today. And well, in the middle of the sound check, the clouds parted. Can you see the rainbow in the sky there? Then I walked around to the front of the church building. Look at this picture. Double rainbow. How pretty is that? Even in the middle of those dark moments, God's faithfulness, his reminder, here's a snapshot. I'm going to put it in the sky. I've got this. I've got you. There's another snapshot that you, if you read a little bit further in Scripture, when Joshua led the people of Israel across the Jordan River, the snapshot here, some of you will be hiking this summer, and you're going to be on a path somewhere, And you know what a cairn is? One of these rock formations they build, one rock on top of the other. I hope when you see that, you remember this moment in Scripture. The crossing, the Jordan River into the promised land. As soon as their feet touch the water, well, God, he he sends the, uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant across with them. And they stop before they even get across the river. They stop and they build an altar to God. A snapshot to remember God's faithfulness. Let's let's read it together. In Joshua chapter 4, verse 6, in the future, when your children ask you, what did these stones mean, these 12 stones, one for each of the 12 tribes? This is a visceral moment. This is a tactile moment to build these things up. I bet all five senses get engaged in that moment. And the kids are going to remember this for the rest of their lives. What do these stones mean? We'll tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. God went before us in this moment. When it crossed the Jordan River, the waters were cut off. These stones are there to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. This is what you're going to do. And then what do they do? If we keep reading Joshua chapter 4, verse 8, and the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded. And they took the 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and they laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. 
the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. I love this. And they're there to this day. And if you go walking past that space, the author is saying you're going to see that and it's going to cause you to remember. There's a life hack on display in that passage, in that snapshot. There's three words I'd want to focus on. Back, remember, forward. What? There's two types of people in the world. There's the type of people that try to lump everybody into two types of people, and then there's everybody else. Well, there's that. But there's also people who are more back-leaning, and there are people who are more forward-leaning. You ever met somebody who's stuck in the past? You ever meet somebody who spends so much time thinking about the future that they don't live in the present? They miss out on life that's happening right around them? There's a balance to be found here. How do we be people who live in the present? Have you heard the phrase, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, today is a gift? That's why they call it the present. So here's what I want to challenge us with today. Back, remember, forward. Let's look back. Let's commit to remember before we move forward. Let's look back. Let's remember. And then we'll gear up and move forward. This is such an important rhythm in life. Have you ever been through a bad breakup? Maybe it's a dating relationship. Maybe it's a marriage. Before diving into the new relationship, it's pretty important to take an honest self-inventory. Where am I complicit? What bad habits maybe do I need to break? What's my brokenness? How do I keep from repeating this cycle again? Let's talk about parenting. This is an important rhythm in parenting. What can I learn from this moment, this meltdown, this breakdown? Here's an opportunity to improve. What should I have done or maybe not done? What could I have done differently? How about a career change? When you move from one place to the next, I'll never forget a moment when I left one church and went to another. A wise sage, one of the other pastors on staff at the church I was leaving, his name's Alan. He came to me and he shut the door in my office and he said, hey, Stan, I hope you remember, there is not here. Before you go there, remember that the dysfunctions here don't follow you there. You're the only constant. You be careful that you leave behind what needs to be left behind. You remember that you take with you what needs to be taken with you. If we read Deuteronomy, the passage that we just looked at, Joshua gets talked about in Deuteronomy. In that Old Testament book, Moses makes three very emotional farewell speeches. He's recapping the history of the Israelites, and he's warning them against future mistakes. The key word there is remember. If we had a memory verse today, I would point to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you. Don't forget Remember, there's a rainbow in the sky. There's a monument of 12 stones. Remember, these are snapshots to help you remember. I want to continue through our memory journey through Scripture. There are some special times, there are some special days that the Bible designed to help us remember these specific events. I want to call your attention to three more of them. You might know the stories behind these. 
But I want you to listen again to see how God might use them to jog our memories to help us remember some important things. There's three of them. I'm going to call these snapshots. I'm going to give you three snapshots of memories. And then, if you'll indulge me, I want to share with you three captions for each of these. If these were in a scrapbook, there's a snapshot and then there's a caption underneath each one. Here's the first one. The first one is the Feast of Passover. We can do better than this. We're talking about snapshots. Does anybody remember the Polaroid camera? You take a picture, you take the thing, and you have to do this. You don't have to do that, but this is what we all did. And you set it down, and we would watch it develop. This is what I want to do, three snapshots, and this is what they're going to look like. The first of them, the Feast of the Passover. Maybe you know the history behind it. The people of Israel had been foreigners, and then they were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. That's longer than we have been a country here in our culture. Then God called Moses and said, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to say to Pharaoh, hey, let my people go. Well, Moses did exactly what God commanded, but Pharaoh refused to listen. So to reinforce his demand, God sent plague after plague upon Egypt. And every time when the plague was at its worst, Pharaoh would say, hey, stop the plague and I'll let the people go. But after every plague, Pharaoh would renege on his promise and he would continue their slavery. Finally, Moses tells the Egyptian officials, enough is enough. This is what he says. This is what the Lord says. This is Exodus chapter 11. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. Then God gave these instructions to the Israelites. Each family is to choose a year-old lamb, one without spot or blemish, the best in all the flock. You're going to dress it up like it's an Easter picture. You're going to snap a picture of it. It's going to make it in, in its cute form into the photo album, right? If you read this story, you know wrong. We've forgotten so much today. That we're supposed to bring our best and offer our best to God. Instead, we tend to keep the best for ourselves, and God gets the leftovers. In this, we see that God deserves our best. And then look what he says to do with this. Kill that lamb. What? Kill that lamb and drain its blood into a basin, then roast the lamb. By the way, this is visceral. We lose something in the translation. Oh, I wish I could take every 8 to 12-year-old child with me out on a hunting trip sometime. Or maybe to go visit Grandma and Grandpa's farm. In the last 100 years, we have lost out on uh, the formative experiences that every human prior to then always had. Seeing this kind of thing happen. By the way, I went hunting one time, and, and, and my cousin shot a deer, and I pulled out a phone, and I videotaped him as he just started talking about Old Testament sacrifice and blood and the Old Testament temple. And then Jesus becomes the fulfillment of that Old Testament sacrificial system. It was so cool. He's just talking, and I happened to film it, and I got done filming, and my brother looked at me and said, well, that's the best communion meditation that you can never show anyone. 
and I can't. But there's something here because this sets up the system. This sets up the snapshots that we need to look at moving from here. Let's continue reading with the story. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. By the way, I missed that detail. It was men and animals until just this past week. And when I picture that, oh my goodness, this is a powerful memory. Visceral probably engages all five of the senses. I'll bring judgment on all the gods, small g gods of Egypt. They have no power. I am the Lord. I'm in control. Mic drop. And then he says this, the blood. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Everybody in a Jewish home took hyssop. This is like like a sprig of parsley or something you'd buy in the grocery store. Dip it in the blood, and they painted their doorframe with it. And that night, just as God told them, he brought judgment upon Egypt. There was weeping, there was wailing in the homes of the Egyptians. But wherever God saw the blood of the lamb, those homes were spared. The next morning... The next morning uh, tells us the Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country. After 400 years of bondage, they're set free, and then God says this. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For over 3,500 years passed since that day and every year faithful Jews still celebrate still remember the Passover and it's important that we don't forget either it belongs in our snapshot as well why it's in our photo album as well why because their story is our story it belongs in our photo album unedited honest no airbrushing on those pictures. Don't make it a glamour shot. Put it in your spiritual album. Commemorate it. Remember it. And give it this caption. We're called to remember. Remember God's provision. He takes care of his people. God provides. Last week, Don and I were celebrating our 28th wedding anniversary. Yeah, isn't that cool? We snuck away for an evening and, and over breakfast in this hotel the next morning. We walked into, uh, you know, the, 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 the space where we were going to have breakfast, and we were reminded this is not the Motel 6, because the lady looked at me and said, do you have reservations? No, but I've got this coupon that the front desk gave me. Can I eat here? And she said, oh, yeah, come right this way. Now, I noticed she walked us right past the best tables that were right next to the window. We ended up kind of back in the back, right by a young couple with a brand-new infant. We discovered he was, I believe, four months old. The baby started crying. You know this story. You've been there. And the mom and the dad were feeling a little bit self-conscious, and they kept taking turns, taking the child and taking it out. I looked at Dawn, and I said, oh, my goodness, after 28 years of marriage, doesn't that bring back so many memories of when our kids were that age? And it would be a little bit weird, but wouldn't it be cool if we offered to simply hold that child for them so they could enjoy a meal together? And we kind of laughed. We ended up later chatting with the mom and the dad. But it would be weird, right? You just simply don't break that 
convention uh, speaking like that to a young couple. But I literally looked at her and said, you know what? If we were to do that, that would make our day, and it might make their day as well. I wish we could just push past that weirdness. By the way, that story that we just read, that memory sounds weird. There's blood, there's guts, there's death, there's ancient Egyptians, but it's not weird. It's our history. Maybe, maybe we're the ones that are weird. If the first snapshot is the Feast of Passover, the st- second snapshot today is the Day of Worship. The second memorial, the second snapshot that I want to mention today is this day of worship. And it starts in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. God worked six days in creation, on creation, and on the seventh day he rested. And the Bible tells us that God consecrated that day and called it the Sabbath, a day for rest. In the Ten Commandments, God told the Jews that they were to remember the Sabbath. Put this in your photo album. Keep it holy. So the Sabbath became a day of worship and a day of rest. Centuries passed, and the Jews began to twist and distort the Sabbath day that God had set in place for rest and for worship. It became so bad that Jesus cried out to the Pharisees. He said this, quite literally, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Don't make it legalistic, but you need this. At the beginning of the summer season, this is a pretty important reminder. Do you honor the Sabbath and keep it holy? I just read a book a few months ago. I would recommend it for your summer reading. If you have not picked out a book to read this summer, read this one. John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And in this, he talks about the biblical value of taking the picture, the snapshot of Sabbath, and walking this concept into your daily, busy 21st century life. Because at the end of creating, God rested. Make sure you catch that. God rested. And if God, who doesn't need sleep or a day off or a vacation, who doesn't ever get tired or worn out or grouchy, who is without parallel to any other being in the universe, he rested, well, we're made in his image. I love this John Mark Comer quote. He said, we're made to mirror and mimic what God is like to the world. God works, so we work. God rests, so we rest. Work and rest live in a symbiotic relationship. We, if we don't learn how to rest well, you're never going to learn how to work well, and vice versa. The Sabbath is a day that God should have my rapt attention. It's a day when I should be fully available to my family and to my friends. The Sabbath isn't a day to buy or sell. It's a day actually to get more. It's a day to enjoy what I already have. After six days of universe sculpting work, God rested, and in doing so, he built a rhythm into creation itself. We work for six days, and then we rest for one. By the way, this is the day for most of us. It's a day of rest, and it's a day for worship. On the Sabbath, here's another quote that I would recommend to you from him. On the Sabbath, you rest and you worship. That's it. If it's not rest and it's not worship, cut it out of that day. Think of the Sabbath like a weekly holiday. You don't just wake up on Christmas morning and think, well, what should we do today? No, you get ready for it. The same is true as Thanksgiving and the 4th of July, your birthday, your anniversary, you plan and you prep. 
to prepare for a day of rest. Let me ask you this question. How many pictures of work do you have in your photo albums at home? My guess is not many. Conversely, how many pictures of play do you have in there? That's a pretty important idea. The snapshots that make it into the meaningful moments of your life. The Sabbath can drive this. I, uh, I take my Sabbath rest. I take my day off on Friday. And usually from like noon on Friday till noon on Saturday, I turn off my emails and put my phone away and try to stay away from work we had the Harp family over at our house on Friday night. You've met Jake Harp. He preached last week, did an incredible job. And they have some adorable little kids. And this couple that's been married for 28 years and has older kids now, oh, my goodness, did it fill me with joy just to spend time with those cute little kids on Friday night playing. After Jesus is crucified and buried and then raised from the dead, he was raised, get this, on the first day of the week. Then, a few weeks later on the day of Pentecost, it's another first day of the week. The Holy Spirit came on the apostles and the church began as 3,000 responded. The first time ever that the gospel was preached. Some of the early Christians were meeting regularly together on the first day of the week to worship God and to encourage one another. And the book of Revelation, in that book, the Apostle John spoke of this day of worship as the Lord's Day. And it's so it's on that day that we gather together to worship him on this day. And I pray that our church will always recognize that whenever we come together, we meet a holy God. and We worship a righteous God. We remember what he's done for us. And we rededicate ourselves to him. This is a day of rest. This is our Sabbath rest. Hebrews chapter 10 puts it very clearly. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. This is why we gather. And all the more as you see the day approaching. The snapshot, the, the heading you're going to write at the bottom of this particular snapshot. The first one, remember, we said was to remember God's provision. Under this one, it's remember God's celebration. That story I told you earlier, the offer to hold another mama's baby, that would be weird, right? Well, in our culture, it feels a little bit weird to honor the Sabbath and to keep it holy. That is downright weird in our fast-paced, take-no-prisoner cultures, but this is so important. And as we step into this summer season, can I challenge you? Make that a snapshot. Work that into your life as well. Here's the third one. The first one is the Feast of Passover. The second is the Day of Worship. The third, oh, we're gearing up right now for it, is the Meal of Remembrance. When you came in today, you probably noticed there was a meal sitting in the seat waiting for you. It's a symbolic meal. It's not going to fill you up physically. I pray it fills you up emotionally and spiritually. There's some bread there. There's some juice there. Would you grab those? Hold on to them. Let me pour some meaning into this. This is a meal of memory. The night before Jesus' crucifixion, he met with his disciples in the upper room to celebrate the Passover together. That was the first snapshot that we looked at. And I think this snapshot here, is to simply invite us to slow down and to remember what's really important. 
to keep and to put the main thing, the main thing. Jesus, in that initial setting, it was designed to be an evening of remembering, as God had long ago commanded. But as they ate, Jesus gave them something new, something so much greater to remember for Jesus. Here's the text. Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There's our word, memory. Remember. Let's go back one slide. Let me keep reading that. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is my new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. There's a passage in the Old Testament that points forward to this. Jeremiah chapter 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember, there's our word, their sins no more. This is a pretty important snapshot that we're stepping into right now in this moment. No longer are some of the ingredients of the Passover meal simply to be a reminder of their release from Egyptian bondage. No, no, now the bread, now the cup were to be internal, eternal reminders of Jesus, of his sacrifice, of his love. This is why Jesus said very clearly, do this in remembrance of me. Remember. Take a snapshot in your mind's eye. Paul takes that same idea and he teases it out in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So when you and I partake, we're getting ready to do that here in just a moment. Begin to whet your appetite for that holy moment of encountering the risen Jesus. When we do this, we're proclaiming to the world, I believe in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. I may not be able to speak eloquently, but I can proclaim my faith through these emblems. So I do that in remembrance of him. Paul writes about the Lord's Supper, and he says this, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ. And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Well, of course it is, because there's one loaf. We, who are many, form one body, for we all participate of the one loaf. There should be unity here in this moment. We've all sinned. We're all, all of us, not worthy to be here. We don't participate because we are worthy. We participate because God is holy and he invites us to come into his presence and to be a part of the supper as we share it together with each other and with him. So if you're going to title, if you're going to subtitle this particular snapshot, remember we started by talking about God's provision, remember that. Remember God's celebration, honor the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Remember God's presence. I want to do that right now. Can we just take a moment and acknowledge, remember his sacrifice? I want to leave you with this image to think about this as you celebrate the Lord's Supper. Some of you are going tomorrow to a graveyard, a cemetery to honor somebody who's died. Can I show you a coffin from the first century? It's called an ossuary. 
They're only 18 inches long because it's designed to be just long enough for this bone right here to fit in there. We can dig these up. We find these. These were popular just a couple of decades before the turn of the millennia. And they stopped being popular about 70 A.D. When Jesus died, had he gone through the whole process, this is where his body would have ended up. But he broke the power of Satan, sin, death, and hell. He's alive. There is no cemetery where you can go and play, place flowers on. That cemetery that I talked about, the Civil Wars earlier, the cemetery that many of you are going to visit uh, tomorrow, there is no place like that for you to go to honor Jesus. You know how you do that? Right now. These are the symbols that remind us this is the snapshot. His body broken, his blood shed. We do this and we remember him. When you're ready, when you're ready, you participate. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes with me? And let's start a moment of remembrance. God, I thank you.